0: You're listening to Empowered Parenting, Real Parents, Real Stories, a podcast that inspires parents to feel courageous and confident in their parenting journey. Listen in with parent and child therapist Cindy Smolkin and Elisa Daly, Executive Director of First Foundation's Jewish Community Preschools, and meet real parents struggling with real issues.
1: Tune in to help you and your children build resilience. Let's get connected. Welcome to Empowered Parenting, Real Parents, Real Stories. So welcome to episode 13, um, our very final episode of season one. We are so grateful for those of you who have been on this journey with us. Um, it's been a wonderful journey. We're excited to be here. We're really, really, really honored and happy and just sort of elated um, at our guests for this episode. We have Kevin and Evan from the Dumb Dad podcast. Um, they are two dads um, who live in Los Angeles. Uh, Evan has a six-year-old boy and a -a two-and-a-half-year-old girl, and Kevin has a five-year-old girl and a two-year-old boy, and they are comedians, they are stay-at-home dads, and they they were just so lovely to interview, and, and for us to get a real change in perspective from all the moms that we've had on here. We've had a few dads for fleeting moments, but it was so nice to have Um, some levity and the male perspective. It was a joy to have them and to get some real insight into how a stay-at-home dad has, um, you know, gone through this pandemic and just dad parenting in general and the judgments that come with it, especially for stay-at-home dads. So we're super excited and let's get right into it.
0: for joining us today and for bringing a dad's perspective um yeah hi you know we've we've had like like three second clips of two dads in our in our short (laughs) podcast episode episode so far and we actually really loved it so we feel so grateful that we have you like for the whole time
2: thank you so much for having us yeah thank you
0: of course of course and everyone there, like they're from LA so like their life is kind of like lovely right now a they probably have beautiful weather and they have less COVID restrictions in their life so like I'm actually talking to free two men who I think are like COVID reasonably free not like us here in Ontario it's a disaster uh it's been pretty
3: pretty messy here but uh I think they've, they're just starting to get things back together but we've just been so set in our ways. We haven't changed anything ourselves. Like we still don't take our kids to the playground or I've not I've not been in a restaurant in over a year. I've only just recently started going in grocery stores where I used to do pickup, so.
0: Wow,
1: okay. It's not great, so, but
0: yeah. So you know what? I'm actually gonna like springboard from that place. You know, on our, on our podcast, we talk a lot about kind of some of the really hard parts of parenting in terms of like, how parenting feels hard for the parent you know whether it's frustration or anxiety all the stuff that parenting triggers and and you guys are both you know two stay-at-home dads you've got four kids between the two of you you've just been parenting essentially i'm assuming fairly full-time during a pandemic has that been hard and do you ever feel challenged or vulnerable in your roles as dads
2: it has been Very difficult, very hard, Um, going from having somewhat of a schedule to like taking my son to preschool, stopping at the gym, dropping my daughter off at the daycare, and then going and working out and picking her up. She's playing with all a bunch of other little kids. And then, you know, my son, we would go pick him up at three o'clock or two o'clock or whenever it was. Then that is just completely turned off and your only existence is living within the walls of your home until further notice. And so, yeah, very difficult to try and quickly adjust to that schedule. What that means in terms of my wife working in the main living room where her office is set up, where we hang out most of the day, um, especially at the beginning of the pandemic was extremely difficult.
0: So like I have, Two teenagers and so for me parenting has likely been less tricky because they're so much older they're independent yeah your kids are all like six and under mm-hmm. and so i'm gonna throw it out there and say they're likely not so independent and so what have over this course of this year the demands felt like to you because there's a certain onness that i think parents of young kids have had to be have had to endure this last year. I mean, listen to listening to you, Evan, there was daycare, there was playing with other kids. And what all that means to you, I mean, obviously that's great for the kids, but what does that mean for you? Freedom, freedom, I can do something for me. And so how did that unfold for for both of you? And I don't know, like, you know, Kevin, if you want to pipe in, you guys decide who should answer. Yeah, you go for it.
3: Yeah, no, I had a similar experience. I My daughter was in preschool when my son, my son has only just turned two, my youngest. And so my daughter was in preschool. So I had, what it was before all this was taking my daughter to preschool until 3 p.m. and then having an infant, which was, you know, especially when it's your second, you're like, yeah, it's tiring, but this is relatively easy. This is, you know, and this is fine. And then I was just starting, as he was saying, I was doing the same thing, going to the gym and stuff. And there was also the zoo to go to and for my daughter, the playground. And there was options, there was stuff to do and now it has been so hard because you're 100% right that there is no independence off of these kids my daughter does you know play sometimes by herself but we don't want it to just be she feels neglected either like it's you have to walk that fine line of you know she's just doing independent play that's great too she just bored and doesn't think anybody wants to play with her because there's no kids him and I Evan and I didn't have our kids playing together for more than I'd say three quarters of the pandemic of the last year. Uh, we were just like, nope, don't go near each other. We don't know what's happened. you know. Even though both of us have wives working from home and we're not going anywhere, you hear stories. So we were scared to have our kids interact with anyone. And it was really hard to be able to make them feel like there's, there's stuff to do. And there's just keep their attention and provide for them and give them a fun atmosphere, but also, I mean, we'd go on, I think we did a couple of hikes and the anxiety that we would have passing people because we didn't know what was going on early on, was so scary and made those things that were just so fun and easy before, uh, just terrifying uh, at times, cause we didn't know enough and we didn't know what to do. And it's been tricky in that regard.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen to, I almost think like this year you know, the pandemic year, it's over a year already, is almost synonymous with uh, global anxiety. You know, the idea of like, first of all, no one, maybe now we're starting to know a little bit more, but at one point in time, like, we know nothing. We, we just kept seeing these numbers every day getting bigger and bigger, and it's terrifying. And, and you have little kids, and what does that mean? You know what I love that you said you know, so needless to say, we've, we've interviewed lots of parents over these course of these last months and the theme of the pandemic has come up and we've talked so much with parents about like the battle of screen use and kids being on screen so much and parents just like needing a break. Mm-hmm. And what a kind of delicious perspective that you brought forward, which is actually a little bit opposite. And the perspective that you just identified is, yeah, I love that my daughter can, can um, engage in independent play but I don't want her independent playing by herself all day because I don't want her to feel neglected. I don't want her to feel that no one wants to hang out with her. And that's fresh. Like I don't actually think anyone has actually said that perspective the entire, in all the interviews we've done. And so I just want to hold that. Oh yeah. Very lovely and mindful and what I found in this last year is that it's been hard for parents to find that perspective because they are otherwise so overwhelmed with stress and all the other layers. Um, so that's really neat and lovely. Oh, thank
2: you. I liked what Kevin said there. I've totally felt that as well, having especially gone through this pandemic with little children that otherwise, I mean, their social life was almost non-existent other than maybe let's say school, but you know, we did, they're, they're six. He's not going to go anywhere on his own merit. He's just going to go where we tell him to go or where he's put. And for then, to everything is just shut off. And so our, we are everything to our little children who are navigating this scary, terrible world. And they don't have any answers to anything. And we have all of the answers to everything and feeling that, that guilt of a little bit too much screen time or something is just like, man, I just feel like I'm just totally neglecting my son. And there he is just, it's nice to have a little bit of end and play to get something done if daddy needs to get some work on the computer done or something, but too much of that. And it really felt the weight of that. Just seeing him kind of just pass time by, um, yeah, definitely felt that a lot.
0: Yeah, I, I really get that. And I think the other thing that's come up a lot in, in the work that I do and in our podcast is the theme of like guilt, you know, parenting guilt. And I think pandemic or no pandemic, there are so many opportunities to feel that. I think this year has likely pushed parents to such a line that there likely are more opportunities to feel guilty because there's probably many more opportunities to kind of mess it up in some way. Yeah. So talk to me about that. Talk to me about like, you know, you guys are so fun-loving and you're so funny and you present as being so even keeled, but like you gotta lose it sometimes, no? Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, what? Oh yeah I, would, yeah, I was answering for you. <laughs> I was speaking for you. Um, embarrassing for you. No. Yeah, okay, now I gotta try to talk myself out of it. Um, uh-huh. Yes, there's plenty of times and we've talked about this before, um, the challenge of a parent is sort of being the example to your child. And it's difficult to remember that your child doesn't, especially at a young age, doesn't know how to explain their feelings. Their feelings are exploding out of them and their limited language ability and communication ability sort of holds them back. And so therefore you have tantrums and emotional outbursts and all these things. And it's so easy to go right to that place with them especially if you are I mean let's let's be honest too there's been a lot going on in the world other than just the pandemic there's been so much going on like mental weight on just people and how this has been handled and how people are dealing with other people and all these things and so you as as just human beings my wife and I are trying to navigate this being stuck inside your life is turned off From a mental health perspective and then being an example to children there's so much stress involved it's hard not to let that go a little bit too far sometimes and so the 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 attempt is to no matter how mad or scream or whatever my son or little girl is doing try to keep it at a low level while they rise and wait it out because you know they also have short-term memory they can flip it around in 10 minutes you kind of just have to be the example of patience rather than, yeah, let's let's get this going right now and be continu you know, the more you yell, it's not gonna fix anything, you know, and then you're gonna feel awful anyway, you know. Yeah, and then to bounce off
3: that when I don't do
2: that and I fail. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's it's important. It's something my wife and I have talked about uh, several times, especially recently, of just the power of apology, because The reason that I would remain try to remain calm when their feelings are getting too much is to show them, you know, because a lot of times what helps them calm down is seeing that you're calm and they recognize that feeling and they want to join you there because that seems better. And when I can't do that because I'm stressed out, and the hardest thing about being stay-at-home parents is that it never ends. Mm -hmm. I mean, even when they go to bed, they might get out of bed at any minute. So like the stress level is just constant, and it's hard. It's you know, not to say jobs aren't hard. But you go to a job, you go home, maybe you get an email or something or a phone call, but you still, you get to clock out and you don't as a parent. So there are times where I don't respond the best and there, those are the times where I do feel it's appropriate and important to apologize to my daughter and say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, you know, I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have yelled or anything like that. So I'll hopefully show her that like, you no, know, a, a parent is not perfect and they never were, and I'm a human, and I want you to know what a human looks like, and hopefully part of that is being able to apologize.
0: It's, and you say, like, you say that with seeming ease, but <laughs> yeah. apologizing to kids is something a lot of parents have a hard time with. It, yes. it, it's like the ego gets messed in there a little bit, and and some parents find that really hard, but to your point, so what you're both saying is, like, you know, we want to be good examples for our kids. We want to be able to hold their emotional bodies and and be regulated when they're not. But in the same time, we're humans and that's not humanly possible. And I would say not even desirable, you know, we don't want our kids growing up in a laboratory where they never get to experience mm-hmm. that kind of conflict, because yeah. that's important for them too, within reason. And then the idea of repairing that, owning it, if you've messed up as a parent, because we do, we all do. I mean, I teach yeah. parenting for a living and I mess up as a parent. It's just part of being human. Yeah. Um, guys, we're going to pause for one second, but before we pause, I just want to say something, you know, so we're doing this interview, but I'm, I'm, I have like one eyeball on Alisa. And Elisa, I don't think she's wiped the smile off her face the entire time. And I feel like Elisa is watching almost like a proud mama, like so proud and and so, so touched. So let's take a quick pause and we're going to jump right back in. Okay. So Elisa, I love, you know, if I can summarize kind of some of these really important Elements of parenting and parenting during this pandemic that Kevin and Evan highlighted. You know, words like terrifying, anxiety, guilt, the need to be patient, Uh, you know, normal human beings messing it up sometimes, the need to apologize. You know, they seem to have so much uh, clarity, but also like real human experience in in parenting and in parenting in such a full-time way. I'm wondering for you like you know as a listener listening to that interview,
1: um, what struck out for you? Okay, well, first of all, I've never been so jealous of an interview. <laughs> I wanted to jump in on the screen <laughs> uh, but behind the scenes I did get to talk area for a while so I got I got my dose. Um, honestly what what stuck out for me was how uplifting and grounding and tethered they seemed like they seemed i felt calm talking to them not because they were giving us this picture of that their lives are fully together they they didn't paint that picture but they painted a picture of you know two friends who'd had similar experiences in this pandemic and had found ways um, that we've talked about on this podcast, all the things that we've talked about to manage their to manage their stress, um, and I really liked, you know, the perspective of apology. I liked the perspective of not of not wanting their kids to feel neglected, but the guilt that comes around with that. It just felt really they felt together, but not in like an insincere or not genuine way. They they you could tell that they've been. Um, a mess at certain points in this pandemic, or even regularly every day, but that they seem calm and tethered and um, seem to be relying on e- each other for, um, for, you know, for family and time, like that they've bubbled together. And I don't know, it was just really lovely. All of it stuck out to me.
0: And, and you know what I think, and, and this didn't come out in the interview, but I think, you know, having done the interview, and even hearing you speak right now, I wonder if what what I felt in the interview and what you're saying you felt watching and listening to the interview is that it sounds to me that Kevin and Evan have a fundamental place of acceptance. Yes, yes. That they get the things that they control. Exactly right. get the things they can't. Yes. They accept it so they don't fight it or overly lament it. Yeah, they have moments of stress, but they fundamentally accept it. And so they
1: try to constantly move forward, even in those hard moments. I think oh my that's God, what Cindy, we were that's feeling. So yes, because on a day in and day out basis, that's like I I am particularly in this third wave. Like I don't have any acceptance. I have anger. I have irritation. I have anger <laughs> at, at the situation. I don't have any acceptance and. You know, like there are people like who could be listening to this saying, well, they're living in LA, they're in a different position, but they haven't changed how they're living. They seem to be still very COVID cautious. So they are living in a very similar way to how I'm living in Ontario. And yes, they have acceptance and I don't. And that's, I think it was lovely to be in the presence of people who had that acceptance. Um, yeah, And don't they, I, I think they... So they feel
0: lighter yes, just by virtue of acceptance, not because their circumstances are different than anybody else's, but that, you know, and so when they say there's been so much mental weight on people, I feel like through their acceptance, they figured out how to manage the weight on their shoulders and you feel it. So Elisa, you know what? I think that's true. And I think to your point, while Kevin and Evan seem to bring like a bit of levity to kind of how they're managing through this pandemic. Like you've pointed out for you and so many other people, like it's it's still a huge struggle. You know, so we just got to hear from Kevin and Evan, their their parenting perspective, how like, you know, they have very regular parenting experiences, you know, the good and the challenging and how they meddle through. But let's, let's jump to the next piece because the interesting piece about the next piece is very specific. To the dad experience and I really I really think it's important to, to be heard um and to think about so let's jump right in we're gonna kind of jump away from the pandemic for a quick moment because I kind of have a broader perspective you know I I'm beyond thrilled that we got a dad to come on I can pinch myself that we have two and then <laughs> the like creme de la creme To stay-at-home dads, like I feel (laughs) like the universe has gifted Elisa and I with like something unimaginable. So I'm gonna I'm gonna like seize this opportunity because one of the things I'm curious about is how does the world perceive dads, stay-at-home dads specifically? And I'm wondering what is your experience and and have you felt? either accolades or judgment like I just I know how moms walk around the world but like I'm so interested to know as stay-at-home dads what feedback do you get do you get blatantly or kind of like subliminally from the universe
2: what's funny is that what you just said there are you kind of either like put away or brushed aside or celebrated it's sort of either one of those to its extreme and it's not really anything in the middle and Kevin, tell your example about the, um, the lady that stopped you. Yeah, I mean, it's such so, a good example of, and, and also like at, uh, at story time too. I mean, there's, there's just such good examples of
3: well, yeah, what I it was, feels like to
2: be a, a dad out, <laughs> the, out in public.
3: <laughs>
2: I remember
3: when my daughter was young, like two or something, I was, uh, I had her in that red wagon radio flyer thing and I was pulling her through the neighborhood, just kind of going for a walk and, Uh, actually when I was going to get dog food, it was like a fun thing that we would do. And then she would lay on the dog, the big bag of dog food on the way back. And it was real fun. We've done it a few times and we were going and I heard a woman yell from across the street. You got to talk to her, dad. You got to talk to her. Come on. I feel
0: mad. I feel mad. I don't even know you (laughs) and I wasn't there and this was a while ago, but I, wow. And so what did that feel like to you in that moment?
3: I mean, I was stunned. Like I am, a I being somebody who likes to do comedy and stuff I like to think I'm pretty quick on my feet and I was stunned silent and I just was like yeah and just I kept walking <laughs> I had nothing and I don't think I processed it fully for a few more minutes
2: like until she was long gone and I was just like that's horrible and there's just a lot to unpack there the snap judgment opinion you're doing it wrong she can tell all that that's how amazing this woman is she could tell all that just by looking at
0: you yeah <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, and and so here's the person. question. Yes. If you were a mom rolling that radio flyer wagon, do you think she would have said that? No, absolutely. No, no way. way. No, no way. So is this? it's like this assumption of incompetency mm-hmm. just yes. by virtue of the fact that you are the male figure, the dad. Right. She maybe didn't know if you were a dad or not, but like she, a male figure. Yeah. Okay. So that's like the judgment part. Tell me about like the celebrated part. Cause that's also kind of like just a, an opposite end of the spectrum.
2: The celebrated part is like being rewarded for essentially showing up. I mean, how many times have both of us gone to the local library for story time? Um, when our kids are like one and two years old, it was a place to take them and everybody sits in this big room. And can you, this is like, can you imagine this before Pandemic. I mean, it's like fifty people in one room, right next to each other, um, and everyone's sitting with their kid in their lap, bouncing up and down. And this very patient, beautiful library teacher is calmly reading stories to everybody to be involved. And pretty typically, you're the only dad there, maybe one other one. And then, which is like, don't look at me, man. We're just trying to get through this. <laughs> I know you're over there. You doing your thing. Let's just. But how many? And a lot, of like, like Kevin will say, a lot of times, like, and maybe like a grandma or something will specifically target you. And as if like, wow, look at you. Can't, but it's so amazing to see a dad here just with their kid. And, and I'm thinking, what isn't this what parents are doing? Like, I'm just, my wife's working. So this is why I'm here. Is this not, do parents or do dads refuse to do this? Like, but I, even more
3: specifically, like you're there with like, I think you were the same. You were there with your only child. mm mm-hmm. And this before I, I had this and you had this before we had our second going to story time. We both had this experience of being there with our one kid and just the one kid and a grandmother or somebody, somebody older would be like, oh, wow, you, what a great dad. I haven't seen us. There's a mom over there with three kids. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and yes. she's like she's having a tough time. because it's three kids. And it's like, why do I get the the great parent award? <laughs> like, it's just like, yeah. gosh, I like.
2: Participation trophy already. Like right. you and haven't so, seen me actively parent this child, you yeah. know. But you're celebrating me. It's yeah. like that lady over there is killing it. Yeah. I don't even know how she's doing that. Yeah.
0: Totally. And and so inherent in that is also kind of an undertone of incompetency, right? Because yes. it's yes, it's the shock that mm-hmm. you male person could be doing this. And so inherent in that is because the assumption is that you can't. Right. Um, yeah.
3: They're like, go ahead and tell me you put the diaper on yourself too.
2: Oh. <laughs> and if you're, and gonna a package, package, yeah. a if you're gonna tell me a whole package, tell me you dressed him. I, I'm out of here. <laughs> oh
0: my god, and you fed him too on yeah. like knocked it out of the park. Yeah, and so like, God, like damned if you do and damned if you don't. And yes. and what a and and I can promise you, I don't think that a lot of people think of it this way. Um, and so I think like one of the things that you're gifting us with is this perspective, this perspective of like a dad is parent, Mm -hmm. just as a mom is a parent Mm -hmm. and, and a dad and most dads want to parent their kids as much as the mothers Mm -hmm. do. Yeah. And it, and it isn't necessarily trophy worthy when dads do dadding, when dads do parenting, because it's just what they want to do. They're, they're as invested as all parents would be. And, and might you as males do it differently? Of course, that's actually the gift that your kids get to get. Your kids get to get the gift of two different fibers of parenting. I mean, two humans can't parent the same no matter what. Two genders will also parent differently. And that's, you know, that offers different things to kids. Now, now kids can be parented by a single parent, by, you know, same-sex same parents but people each person gives them something different and so your kids are so lucky that they get both they really get both and and i'm sorry for you guys that you've i remember when we spoke and i said to you you know where do you guys live that these comments happen (laughs) and and you know no no criticism of la but you guys said we live in opinion city um where people are not shy. And I think one thing is for sure, and this applies to any parent, boy, people love to judge. They love to Mm -hmm. judge. And when it comes to parenting, it's like free reign on on unsolicited advice. Mm -hmm. People just don't stop. So I'm going to end on like, what I hope will be a really lovely, lovely note for you and for us and for our listeners Of course, like parenting in this year has been madness and and there's so much to juggle and there's so many feelings and stressors, of course, of course. Is there anything you guys are walking away from in this difficult year that feels like a success, something you feel proud of, a moment of resiliency? I don't know, just something that you're walking away with specifically parenting through this pandemic year that you like might not have walked away with any other year. Yeah, uh,
3: I definitely think for me, this has been uh, because of the situations and because of where we've had to be. And like I said, not going anywhere, staying home most of the time and all that. It's been a, a year of real family. And my my daughter and uh, my son are so close now. And And I know a lot of siblings can be close, but there is just a genuine love of each other that has grown over this year because he was an infant he had celebrated his first birthday in quarantine and his second birthday in quarantine and the two of them are they're just real friends and they really love each other and we all my wife's working from home so all four of us are home at all at all times and to spending that together all (laughs) the whole very (laughs) <laughs> at times <laughs> yes. it has been a year that obvious for a million reasons, but family-wise has been a very unforgettable year of just how much time we've spent together, little moments that we've had together, just experiencing it together, have not really having any moments of, oh man, I wish your mom was here. I wish your your sister was here and she wasn't in preschool. No, we've all we've all
2: been here. I love that. Years. I think <laughs> um similar to that answer when the pandemic first started, my son was in uh, preschool, and the information was just exploding. All this information, we have no idea what's happening. Something seems really scary, and but there's no solidified information. And I remember them, we decided to pull him from preschool. Um, on like a Friday, we said, you know what, this just feels a little bit too weird. And it's fine to pull him from preschool now. And I'm I'm not pulling him from fourth grade or something where he's Mm -hmm. now he's missing out on schooling. So we're going to pull him and then before the Monday hit, um, it was like schools are shut down. And, uh, but I specifically remember them saying, you know, we don't really know what is happening. But this could be the lifestyle for the nation for as much as two weeks. (laughs) <laughs> which now seems <laughs> hilarious. But I remember specifically my wife and I sat down and, with each other one night when the kids are in bed and say, like how are we gonna do this? How can- okay, but you know what we can do this. We can do this for two weeks. He'll be home. I will think of things to have them do together a five-year old and a one and a half year old somehow, try to keep them busy, take them places They could maybe around a little walk or something, but I bet we could do it for two weeks if we really set our minds to it. Mm -hmm. And then before two weeks was up, it, it really felt like, I don't really see how this isn't, you know, lifted in three months, four months time. And at that time, we like had another conversation together and said, look, the only way this is going to work and that we're not going to lose our minds is if we find the positive in this for us as a family and commit to just being with each other, listening to each other and fostering our family, probably at an exaggerated rate now being around each other all the time, but there's no sense in losing our minds over the small things because that will probably make this what's going to be a difficult future that we had no end to, Um, it will probably make it easier for us to get through and sort of in the same way valuing the time that we've actually had with our family because we sort of committed to that early and credit to my wife for always reminding me as well that that's what we're doing that that's kind of how we made it through it i think without feeling like i can't do this anymore you know there were certainly days like that where we would tap each other out and somebody would take a break or something but ultimately that's that's definitely how we were able to get through it together as like a group and as a family
0: I'm like not actually going to say much more because I I want that to be what listeners um, are left hanging with and absorbing. Because the interesting thing, it's interesting timing that we're talking about this now, because as things are looking like they're starting to improve and, and there is seeming to be some light at the end of the tunnel, many people are going you know this notion of like the celebration when that happens but that's not actually going to happen that way we have gotten accustomed um in a habitual way to be living this way and now we're going to have to shift gears back to like how do you re-emerge into the world in in this way it won't be normal whatever that means it'll be a new version but it won't be like it's been the last year and so what a lovely place to leave people listening this this perspective of, you know, value family. Yes, stressful days and all that stuff, like no one would minimize that, but to really try to find that silver lining. And then and then Evan, to your point, this idea of let's focus on our mindset. Let's focus on trying to have a, an approach of resiliency, of pushing through rather than kind of glass half full. Let's try to, I mean, sorry, rather than glass half empty, be looking glass half full. And let's really try to stay on that perspective because that will be the backdrop from which we function. And it sounds like you guys have done such a good job, despite the hardship and the struggles, and for sure the days where you messed it up, but in an overall kind of way. Um, and you both look so intact. So so somehow this, <laughs> this mindset is has likely helped you. And, and I'm so appreciative of your honesty, of your willingness to talk to us Canadians, and, and to share your story and your insight and i really really hope that some dads are listening to this cuz i think they're going to feel validated and i don't think that that's an experience that a lot of dads get to have so thank you guys so so much thank you so much thank you very much
2: for having yeah. us i would say tell all the parents out there just try to find the humor in things you know we're not professionals we, we don't have we're not parent advice givers <laughs> but we just try to find the humor in things to bring light to awful situations so we know that we can just try to be better in the next day. And that's kind of what our focus is, is. That's kind of why we coin ourselves as the dumb dads. Like, we're not perfect, but we're also not. There's a lot of effort there.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> and so for listeners, if you struggle to find your own laughter, tune in to the Dumb Dad podcast and you will be <laughs> gifted on a platter endless opportunities for laughter Um, and, there, and so much levity. Thank you guys so much. It was such
1: a pleasure.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: It was so um, interesting for me to hear the perspective of two dads and what it feels like to be judged but from two different camps like the, the camp of people that judge them for not doing assuming that they don't know what they're doing and can't do a good enough job and then the camp that celebrates them for just doing for being who they are really, because they're fathers and they're parenting. And so just celebrating for that, that for them, you know, this, this visual of, of city, of one of them sitting in a music class where a mom with three kids is, you know, really struggling and they're sitting there with one kid. It's a, it's a really powerful image, right? He's thinking to himself, like, what, what am I doing? I have one kid and that woman over there has three, right? It's totally um, true. Like when
0: they talk about the idea of like, being criticized with the assumption of incompetency and, and being judged. Like I, I get that, but I agree with you. Like I was surprised to hear this other side of what it feels like to be a parent and being celebrated just for showing up. Right. Like I never would have thought
1: of that, that experience. No. And you know, judgment as a parent is such a hard um, it's such a hard thing, and it can take such a, a toll. I know that I, when I feel judged, and I do feel judged frequently as a parent, um, and a lot of that judgment comes from myself. But like, it's it's whether it's judgment from within because you're you're worried, or you know, it it just it feels bad. Um, and it it for them to and women are can be really mean when they judge, <laughs> so can men. But to have to walk around. With um, that, you know, worrying about, you know, that you're just going out to take your kid for a walk and to be um, perceived as inept, like you said in the interview with them find the participation trophy, like you're inept and you don't know what you're doing, or you should be inept and you're not because you change your kid's diaper good for you. It's just It was really interesting to hear. And I hope that, as you said, that um, dads listening will feel validated hearing this. Um, Cindy, I love that you asked them what they'll walk away from, and um, that they they provided us with such um, uplifting messages of um, resiliency and hope. Um, you know, I, I think that we were, when we first talked about acceptance in in this um, in the first part of this episode, Um, I talked about how I, you know, was mostly feeling angry and irritable and all of those things and reflecting on it now, I actually just spent two days away with Rob um, for my 40th birthday Mm -hmm. and um, we were at my parents' cottage, which is on the lake and is so beautiful to look at. And we were doing things that I guess, you know, we used to call normal, which is spending time with your spouse, being in relaxing not working and those things they did make me feel really hopeful and they made me um, feel like you know the weather is changing and we do have glimmers of of normal life coming back and acceptance is one thing and I'm not going to talk about that but just when you live in it and that's what I was doing I was just living in something normal it does make you feel Like you can be resilient. It does make you feel like you can be brave because you're actually not living in on a hamster wheel of Groundhog Day, but you're actually living a little bit. And I think that that's what's been so hard because we haven't felt like we're living. We're just standing still. And But I can share with you that um, when we are able to break out of it and do normal things, even if it is going to work, um, or little things like just, you know, having a weekend full of beautiful weather and, and, and being outside with our family or seeing friends outside in a safe way. I think it, it, it will give you, um, the ability to find your resilience again. Um, and so I hope that our listeners, you know, we've gone through 12 episodes, 13 episodes, sorry, 13 episodes of, um, real anxiety, um, talking about real anxiety, talking about guilt, um, talking about um, conflict resolutions and siblings. And we've talked about, you know, showing up in genuine ways. We've talked about loss. And in all of it, I think that I want, Cindy and I both want our message to our listeners to be that um, every journey that you go on, um, in your life as a parent um, has, it has a start and it has an end, but then you get to the end and then you open the door, wake up the next morning and your journey. It, it's either continuing or taking a curve or going way downhill, or, you know, you've opened up the door to to something that you really didn't think that you could handle, but we have to be there for our kids. We have to be resilient. We have to be courageous. We have to show up for them. We have to be honest with them. We, we have to show them that life is hard and full of adversity, but we can't fall apart. And I think that Kevin and Evan did a really beautiful job of showing that to us today, that resiliency and parenting can go hands in hand, no matter how hard it is. I hope that this podcast has shown that, this season has shown that. We are looking forward to a journey beyond episode 13, um, and we'll look forward to sharing that with you. Um, We've had a wonderful team um, help us put together this podcast. Makuit has a wonderful team. We thank you for it. Jamie Waltman has been our behind the scenes um, social media helper. We're very grateful to her. I am very grateful to Cindy um, for being my partner in this. Um, This is not our end. This is just a pause. And we thank our community for, um, for listening with us these past 13 episodes. Cindy, I'll let you say a final goodbye. Uh, not a final goodbye. Not just a final a goodbye,
0: just goodbye. Goodbye.
1: So, my final
0: words are going to be a challenge. And this is a challenge for you, Elisa. I will take on this challenge and anyone who's listening. Kevin and Evan said, This has been an unforgettable year. And my challenge to everybody is to grab a piece of paper and a pen. And if you need to write why it was an unforgettable year because of all the darkness and the stress, sure. But more importantly, my wish would be that everybody can find one thing to write, even just one of the positive unforgettableness of this year, the success of the unforgettableness, something that is optimism led, because I think that's a good springboard to jump into summer, to jump into how life might kind of unfold over the next little bit that might be different than what we've been experiencing. So to everybody, uh, this has been an unforgettable process with you, Elisa, and this for sure would go on my list of silver linings of the year. Wow, this journey with <clears throat> this journey with Elisa, on top of all sorts of other things. Thank you, listeners, for giving us the time. Um, which is precious for everybody. And Elisa, my word, what a joy. What a joy to be in your circle (laughs) on so many levels.
1: Ditto, lady. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.